with us tonight is what's your bird name? <laughs> John, wingman. Black footed booby mat. There's a black footed booby? Yeah. I thought it was blue. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know my birds. <laughs> Gray crested hooter mat. <laughs> you guys sound ridiculous. Oh, that's a little point. Friday night, let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton with Matt and John and Mike and Bill. I almost forgot that other Matt too. We played Wingspan, game by Stonemeyer Games. When did this game come out, and why did it take us so long to play it? You know, we suck. That's why it took so long to play it. There's like a designer diary that goes back to December last year. Okay. But I feel like I really got big at Gen Con. So when we were at Gen Con, it was a game people were trying to buy and trying to play, and it was sold out the first day, and people didn't get copies. It looked, it was a nice looking game. It looked expensive though. Maybe that's why. Actually, yeah. it's not bad. Actually, it was. Uh, so we talking Canadian around here? Take seventy five percent off if you're American, but it's uh, it was sixty two dollars for me. That's actually not bad at all. Mm. When I looked at the hot game list, Wingspan started becoming hot at at and after Gen Con. Mm. So it started around there so its popularity definitely shot up around gen con that's when it spread its wings and took off <laughs> it came yes. out in march march 8th march 8th okay so gen con's what august so five months and then it like shot up and shut up it's honestly it's been on the hot list like on it's it cannot be dethroned it has never had a dip why do you think it's constantly on the hot list now that we've played it i have a lot of answers to that okay first of all stonemeyer games makes really good worker placement games so they're already known for that if they're going to make a game it's going to be popular they're a big board game company for people who like games off board game geek two the production value of that game is off the charts like you saw it right the box is super slick like if you feel the quality of the stuff either it's like plastic encoded or some has some beautiful coating on it the cards are high quality. The art's high quality. Everything flows together nicely. Like the whole ecosystem of the game. Like it's about birds. All the pieces are related to birds in some sort of way. And and they actually fit really well. Mm -hmm. It has a dice tower. You build your own dice tower. The cubes are made of wood, which really fits the game, being a game about birds. You have the eggs are like, they look like Cadbury mini eggs. They're really high quality, right? So I, I thought they were made of wood, but they're some kind of plastic or something. So and I was like, oh, I was impressed with that. Yeah, no, but they're like, they're like good quality, right? So yeah. you're like, wow, everything's like really good quality in this game. And then it also comes with single player and multiplayer. So you're not just getting a game you have to play with other people. You're getting a game you can play by yourself. So it's like all these things come with it. You're like, this is really good. And for only, like, that price point, it's pretty cheap compared to, like, everything that comes in it. Like, I paid more for games that came with a lot less. Exactly. So. And a lot less quality, too. Yeah. Right? Think about we played, uh, you know, It Down Below, which came from a major publisher, Opley Games. And it, like, its quality was actually not up to par with Stonemaier Games quality, right? So it's pretty impressive. My game is also, like quarter of the price half the price maybe oh, it was 30 bucks yeah yeah like that, but, but for 60 dollars, you can up the quality of everything right and and also it's made by stonemeyer so they're gonna up the quality of everything because they want it they make games for gamers yeah. like us right and i thought um the theme of it too it seemed more like appealing to everyone yeah. you know it seemed pretty kind of lighthearted. so you know it's about birds so what'd you guys think you played it what a week ago I thought it was going to be more difficult to play based off just seeing uh, pictures on social media, just like the amount of components that are in the game. 
But when you sit down to play, it's actually like super quick to learn, super quick to play, depending on if the people that you're playing with are quick. So I noticed when I was playing, you and I were kind of making our move kind of like one or two. Oh, I was, I was going and cleaning up (laughs) (laughs) during the turns. I'm like, oh, I ever put these beer bottles away. (laughs) Yeah, but I I was always trying to be like, what am I going to do my next turn? So when it was my turn, I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Other people's turns didn't really affect us. I know for us, we like to play quick, right? We don't like when people lollygag during their turns or... Yeah, sorry about that. Does someone lollygag during their turns? (laughs) (laughs) I played it the first time, all right? Yeah, that's okay. No, I I felt like it looked complicated because there were a lot of symbols and stuff with with the different types of food and the grasslands and all that. And then once that clicked, it, it was pretty easy because the diff- the three it was three lanes you can build across, and they right were, that's the that's the forest, grassland, or, or yeah, water, food, eggs, and more birds. Right. So and I found that they were really related. So when you're getting food, you kind of can change food for other things, and you get more food or whatever. So if you're going down that route, and even the birds you lay that can only go in the forest or whatever, they they kind of need specific food. So it it was pretty easy to see like the connections once you play it some. Yeah, it was cool. It's it plays really fast. It's really weird, right? There's like you look at the rule book, there's a there's a lot of rules, but really when you really get down to its core, it, it's actually really simple. It's like you have four choices, you do them as you play your turn, if you do the, the three areas, you get to actually activate your birds in those areas. And that's actually really cool. It's really a game about chaining as many birds in a specific area as possible so that you can gain as many points as possible. Yeah, I thought it was cool that you actually you build up, you know, uh, you build up a lane and as you if you have a bunch of birds that have abilities, some of them actually interacted with each other, yeah. then you can start putting eggs and chaining all that and all that stuff happens. So that was, that was pretty cool. I also like the different strategies you can do for the game. You have your bonus cards. I know both times I played, that was my strategy was like, get those bonus cards. Cause both the ones that I had were like plus 11 points. If I had seven or more cards of mm-hmm. that type, I know when we played with your wife, she was doing the egg game. So I think I was doing the water strategy. I think it was just like, Oh, what if I just put all these birds in the water? What happens? I think it was tucking a lot of cards. You get yeah, a point for tucking, tucking like, each yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually kind of cool. Cause these, these cards are really smart. So like tucking a card is simulating a bird, like eating another bird. So it's pretty neat. I'm like, Oh, so if I have all these waterland birds, that let me tuck cards. I could keep drawing and tucking and that's how I could get all my points. The way you get points in this game to, to win, you can tuck cards, which is like a bird eats another bird. You lay eggs, you get a point per egg. You can stack food. So some birds just gather food. You get points for amount of yep. food you I call stack. that caching. Yeah, caching. And then there's just actually having birds. Like I made one of those, was it a heron or something like that? It was a water bird and it was worth like seven points. So it was pretty, it was pretty big just having birds. Your specific bonus goal. And then there's the end of round bonus goal. Like the little stretch goals or whatever those were. (laughs) Yep. And those are hard coded. Those were like build, have the most eggs in a water area or something. And it was, yeah. So that was, you only played the game once, Matt. What did you think of the game? Um, I actually, like I could tell it's like a worker placement, but what I liked about it is it did not, it wasn't really competitive in that sense. Um, with the worker placement games, typically there's a common board and it's kind of a race to who gets the, to put their worker on a, the spot they want. So once it's filled up, no one can do it. But in this one, everyone has their own board, which I was thought, oh, that's, that's awesome. I like yeah. that. So you kind of build your own area. You're kind of in your own world, building your own thing. And so I like that. But I did feel like once my turn was over, 
I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs. And I, I planned out the next turn, and I'm like, okay, I'll just wait. Yeah, so I think once you get to that, you know, more than two or three players, we should be a little bit conscious of how long our turns are taking. Yeah, you're playing your own game. Yeah, the only time, like, it, the other players really affect your game is if you want one of the cards in the middle. And the food, too. And the food, right. So mm-hmm. can't super plan ahead. Two times I played, I had the anatomy bonus card. So any bird that had, like, a human body part in their name, I would get bonus points based off those those cards. And then I had the... Uh, geographical one so if they had a uh, continent or a city or place name and i'd get bonus for that so i was always constantly looking for those cards i felt my gameplay affected like when you guys took those mm-hmm. cards and i was like shit i was gonna get that card yeah i felt the my same next way turn too. but you know but it's easy you can adapt easily and you just have to kind of adjust your strategy a little bit right but i would try to make my turn go quicker yeah i noticed that too there was one turn because the the blue path the water path is is about drawing birds and um, there was one i wanted that bird and, and then someone took it so I, I had to change my strategy once it was hard to plan that out and then same with the food one you can draw food and i had a bird that i can re-roll any kind of special food that's used up and i was kind of hoping people would take food so it's used and not take enough of it so it all has to re-roll so that one changed a little bit too you're going through just kind of reacting so i was saying earlier that this game is really popular can you see that from playing it like do you think you you feel the same way or or do you think this will die out like when we went to gen con there's a game called pipeline that was super popular it was like blowing up everyone wanted to play it and buy it and it kind of fizzled right out do you think this will be like a fizzle out game or do you think this will just continue to dominate hot lists and everyone's going to want it? It looks really pretty. And I think if they strategically plan when they're going to release expansions. One's coming out, by the way. Yeah, it isn't already out. It could be already. And you could pre-order it this month. or Yeah, you can get it at... Uh, Amazon uh, lets you pre-order it. So. Yeah, And I like how they did that like by, by continent so that they've got what seven games they can release essentially because you yeah. can probably you can play probably each expansion as its own game right you don't need maybe some of the components aren't there but if they strategically time it out well that i think they can still stay popular it'll be like a really complex game in the end we'll have like all these different <laughs> continent expansions 4, with a million cards. rules <laughs> no i just think it it just adds more birds I, I'm, I was just thinking about your question, and it's an interesting one because you look at there's there are certain games out there that everyone knows, everyone loves, everyone still plays, and that's like Risk, Monopoly, yeah, and then you know chess. Uh, there's got to be another one. I feel there. I feel like those are really popular because they started off a long time ago when there wasn't a million board games to play, and therefore people are like, oh hey, you know, I, this is what I'm going to play because these are the only options. But now everybody, there's a lot more games being developed. There's a lot more games out there. And every year you add, you add probably the same amount of games we had options for. I don't know. This is a crazy statistic. I don't actually know, but there seems like there's a lot coming out every year, every month and, and no one has time to play them all. I I think that the, (laughs) the basis of those, those games is, is except for chess is there's a lot of randomness to it. It's really just rolling a dice or something. And I feel like that that's a big appeal to people to to play it again and again and again because it's you know it's going to be a different result every time based on your strategy or whatever and this this game i i feel like the randomness is with the cards being drawn the cards that you have and a little bit with the food but i feel like it's not it's kind of hidden in there i I feel like it'll it'll fizzle out to be honest i don't know okay so let's talk about worker placement games in general 
how like how do you feel about that genre of games i think the only other game that i played with you guys it's worker placement well i guess jaws is kind of worker placement the first part yeah first part viticulture this game champions of midgard and kingsburg champions of midgard is pretty good kingsburg that was a different game right it was not like a game of numbers we had to like roll dice kingsburg or yeah you you actually pick a number or something and you have to roll it so it did i remember it was you get to a point when you wanted you wanted that number you wanted number seven or something but you couldn't because you were last in line so it was basically the same thing i guess carcassonne is actually like a weird worker placement game too i i not I, completely but i don't think so i kind of consider worker placement as there's a there's a shared board and once you use that spot no one can no one can go there right i think it's like a competitive kind of thing and it's about building up something like you kind of like viticulture you build up your own winery so you getting all these different kinds of wines and you build different parts to your winery i, I forget like the yolk and all that <laughs> the yolk and the yeah stuff like that viticulture had a couple aspects right you could you can build up your winery or you could build up the wine you're actually making so you could focus on a couple different aspects but, of yeah the but realistically industry. if you got all the right cards and whatever then you would be have doing as much as you can because they right. all interact well so so back to my question like is the worker placement game for you? I think it depends on what it is. I say I actually like Wingspan better than I like Viniculture, better than I like Kingsburg. Probably better than I like Champions of Midgar is really good, but I still think it's better than that too. Yeah. Because I think maybe playing your own game, I don't have to worry about fighting for a resource was actually better in my opinion. And I feel like, you know, Viniculture was a very long game. Champions of Midgar was also a very long game. <laughs> this game was very long, like I'd say half an hour per player, but I feel like we still finished it within an hour and a half, four of us, with learning too, because we had to teach you and Novi. Teach yes. Matt and Novi. Thanks, teacher. <laughs> yes, <welcome>. my gatekeeper. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, like I, I like worker placements, but I don't like playing them all the time. I feel like it is the thing people really love when they come to board games because it's just a different genre of, you know, of board game types. And it's like, ooh, I really like this because I never really played it. But once you play enough of them, you're like, ooh, they're all similar. <laughs> and you're like, ugh, I don't know. Like, you know, they're all like the same thing. I think the appeal of those games is that you're you're building something. Like you have your own something that you're making if it's like winery all the different wines and all that or if it's in this uh, wingspan you're, you're actually building up their, your bird nests and all bird that. Uh, sanctuary bird sanctuary yeah and champions of midgard you were actually building an army or whatever and i think that's the appeal people like and i was thinking a game that it's not really worker placement but it has kind of aspects of it it's it's a stretch but settlers of Catan. yeah because initially everyone gets to pick their number and then as you're playing, you, you're putting down the house, the, the, the settlement. So it's kind of like that, too. It's, it's like a competitive sort of thing. I like that game a lot, though. So, But that aside, I, I feel like the, the big appeal for these worker placement games is that you're actually building something and it's permanent. Like mm -hmm. when you buy something, it's usually there. Yeah, I guess like at the end of the game, you look back and you're like, this is what I did. Yeah. This is what I did. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And I think that's what people like. They like to play a game, and then you can look at it at the end and be like, ah, oh, look, look at all this. Look at all this crap I made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this all this crap. My life. I simulated a game in a lifetime. <laughs> but but I but I must say I, I, hate, I don't like competitive games that much, especially when it's really so some of the, those worker placements where it's like competitive, taking yeah. that spot, whatever, that, that kind of, I, I always get like, feel like, anger building up in me when someone snaps that spot up i'm like oh man why, why didn't i get that now now your strategy's screwed up and you know whereas this one i like you're on your own you're really just doing your own thing so yeah. it's it was kind of cool
we funded a game on Kickstarter this week, right? Or was it last week? I really enjoy like the Tiny Epic series. I've liked all the games that we played. Tiny Epic Galaxies, uh, Tiny Epic Max. I like Dinosaurs, so their new game is Tiny Epic Dinosaurs out on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, they're smashing their goal. Their their goal is nineteen thousand, and they're at four hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Wow, so that's uh, they're going to fund a real Jurassic Park. Yes, <laughs> spared no expense. <laughs> uh, so it's a forty-five minute, uh, one to four player game of dinosaur ranching, worker placement, and resource management. Features classic your game mechanics with unique twists that portray the dangers of farming these prehistoric beasts. Players control a team of ranchers that will be acquiring, breeding, and selling dinosaurs. And it's played over six rounds with each round consisting, I think, of seven phases. There's solo mode as well. Yeah. But my biggest thing for this is they've got 17 plus like stretch goals. Woo! Hold on, hold on. How many? Like 17. 17. There's different funding you can do. So there's like the regular game and then there's the deluxe one. So okay. there's like two separate games. Uh, that you can get and the deluxe has special stretch goals as well yeah so a lot of wood upgrade like upgrades to the components and stuff like that so the components are better it's the wood yeah. that makes it good it is, it is the wood <laughs> it's always the wood but for me like i you know when i think about stretch goals and you know they may be necessary for a game like this because you want more things in it do you guys think stretch goals are necessary in every kickstarter campaign so i feel like it's just something that's almost standard now okay so first of all this game is made by galen games so they're the ones who make all the tiny epic series so yeah. i mean if you want my opinion they probably can do all these upgrades because they've successfully launched you know like 20 tiny epics game, <laughs> tiny epic games so probably know what they're doing by this point but like a company that's just starting like i don't think that would be a great idea because then you have to like oh i have to you know i have 17 stretch goals i don't even know how to handle one i guess like i feel like it's it's kind of almost like a strategy to get more money out of people well, well that's it right like when you design a game you want to design the best game that you can think of right but then you go to price that game out and it's going to cost you more money than you thought. So you have to scale it back, but you really want to release this game, right? Not, not the scaled back version. Right. So that's probably where those stretch goals idea came was like, well, that's the game I want. So if I'm going to release this game, I need to get my backers. We call a minimum viable product. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's like, what do you actually need? Yeah, I want metal tokens, but you know, people don't want to spend a hundred dollars on your game, your card game for metal tokens. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe a twenty dollar game is better. Yeah, and I think like more stretch goals and more components added to your game adds that risk value. To backing it right so yeah. how long is the production of this game going to take when i'm actually going to get it because like bill for instance backed nemesis what two years ago it seemed like that's and he, he just said. got it in today hmm. that's crazy like, that's insane that's just well even even trogdor remember he backed trogdor and we're at gen con and he's like oh my god there's the game i backed but i can't actually physically take it off the shelf because it's in the mail it came like the next week but it's yeah. like i don't know but he also got upgraded figurines and stuff, so so that's one of the problems, right? You you get the game, you reach one of the stretch goals, and then you're like, okay, cool. But the basic game can be released so much easier. So you know, you're like, oh, but I do want the deluxe game. I really want the deluxe game, which is what I did. <laughs> so you're never getting your game because <laughs> they're a real dinosaur. <laughs> they're gonna fulfill seventeen. I mean, goals. at this point, man, they've got like five hundred thousand dollars. Why not? Like, well, this game takes seventeen million years to make. <laughs> What would your ideal stretch goal be in any game? Because I think I think it you just have like three tiers. You have like a basic, which is like here's a card. Then you have 
your like an actual physical piece which is just some plastic cheap thing and then you have like a metal kind of higher end thing and that's that for me that'd be good enough you know i think like i'm cool with just a base game it's like whatever i don't i don't want to spend 50 bucks i want to spend 20 because then i could buy more kickstarter games and you know what i think everyone should be the same way <laughs> and, and i'm modeling it after video games you know there's always the game then there's like kind of a deluxe version that has some extra armor or something. And then there's like one that has some kind of figurine or something. And that's yeah. it. I feel like board games, like I feel my car, you know what I mean? Like my car is <laughs> 20 years old. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to buy that game for cheap. I'm going to run it right into the ground. And then I'll, if it sucks, I'll buy another one. <laughs> I'll buy the deluxe version next time. Well, another thing with the, with stretch goals too, like most Kickstarter games, you have to pay for shipping after, right? So it's adding extra weight, which then increases your shipping. So your game that you paid, you know, $40 for is not going to cost you 60, 70, right? Kind of sucks in the end. I'm just thinking about the Jurassic Park where they delivered the the T-Rex in a boat (laughs) to New York City. I'm like, how much did it cost? How much did that boat cost? Uh, about the same amount you're going to pay for that metal, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, your metal deluxe version yeah. of your, yeah, of your coins hey, or whatever. But Jurassic Park is spared no expense, my friend. I feel like what they did with Tiny Epic Dinosaurs is that they had a lot of upgrades of the same things. They're like, oh, hey, here's this wooden piece. I'm going to have four upgrades for it. Yeah, well, it was different like components. So like, it'd be like wood upgrade for your uh, ranchers. Okay. And then it was a wood upgrade for the uh, food. Well, like, to me, it's like, I feel like all that should be upgraded, right? Like, I feel like there shouldn't be four different stretch goals for all the components. It should be one stretch goal. Everything's wood. Why does it have to be, you know, little components? Yeah. That's that's how they broke it up. So, you know, maybe the 17 could really be, well, like, maybe 10 at this point. But not all the wood upgrades were all one stretch goal, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure they knew like what 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 they're gonna get. So yeah. all those goals, they they probably knew those numbers. So I'm not I'm not saying that it's like a shitty idea for them to have these stretch goals because they they know what they're doing. Right. But I just look at the amount of stretch goals that are coming with this game. I'm like, I'm just like, well, when the hell am I gonna get this game? When you know, it's done. Right? Yeah, and, and I'm just like, I want to play this game. Exactly. <laughs> right. And, I, and we're gonna go to like Gen Con, and I'll probably play it before I even. Have you know to what? You know what? I'm gonna reach out to this this company for when I go to um. Pax. I'll be at Pax Unplugged, by the way. So when I go there, I'm gonna reach out and be like, "Can I play this game? I just want to play it to rub it in John's face." When I back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm that much of a dick. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> No, I wouldn't rub it in your face, but I definitely tell you that, like, you know what I mean? Like, come on, we need this. Maybe I'll do that. I'll be like, we need this game out. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just get this game out already? But it's all production, right? Like, whoever yeah. their, uh, whoever produces their game. But another thing, too, is that if every component's made somewhere different, like, I don't know what their production process is. Yeah. If it all gets made and assembled somewhere in China, probably. Or if it's, like, some things are made here in the United States or Canada, and then other things are made in China, and they have to put it all together, that's going to take more time. So... But yeah, I hate stretch goals. (laughs) (laughs) From all of us at Friday Night Games, thank you for checking out our podcast. You can stream it on Spotify, Google Play, or visit our website at www.fridaynightgames.com. Also, please like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Currently, we plan to release two to three podcasts a month, and we hope to keep you listening. If you have any questions or comments, you want us to address on our show personally, please post one of our socials and we'll get back to you.